0: Hey Katie. Hi Ben. Did you hear the news? What news? Uh, Sesame Street is canceled.
1: What? No don't don't tell me that.
0: Uh, I'm sorry that's that's actually fake news. Um, (sighs) That's what we're going to talk about today and it actually connects with Sesame Street in an unusual way. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Actually, maybe it connects to Sesame Street in the most boring way possible. Which is? The model that we're going to be talking about is named Grover.
1: <laughs> and, well, I mean, funny side thing. So, in other contexts, we've also talked about ELMO, which is That's a right. <laughs> machine learning algorithm for some, it's like a word embedding thing. There's something called BERT. I think this is just having a moment right now. Sesame There's something Street called characters. Bert?
0: I didn't know that one.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just to be very clear, Sesame Street is not canceled.
1: No. Goodness. Uh, That would be terrible. Sesame
0: Street will go on for centuries.
1: I sure hope so. Um, But let's talk about machine learning today. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So this is a new algorithm. It's out of the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence, which is uh, a group based up in Seattle that does a lot of work with different kinds of AI. Um, So this is uh, their NLP group, their natural language processing group. And in particular, as we kind of made a bad joke about early on, uh, Grover is an algorithm that's particular to fake news, which, as we all know, is a problem that's only becoming a bigger problem every day. Uh, yeah. So the question is, how do we think about it? How do we think about um, a, an approach that, or the involvement that machine learning has in maybe making that problem worse, and maybe hopefully not making it worse.
0: Okay, so I just before we leave the topic of Sesame Street, was was Grover like particularly trickstery? I thought he was just cute and lovable.
1: I think he's mostly cute and lovable. He's he's a little bit anxious as a Muppet. <laughs> I think that's his main.
0: Like they should have called this Oscar or something.
1: Uh. Well, number one, maybe there's some other algorithm called Oscar. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Okay. Anyway. Okay. Moving on.
1: <laughs> uh, so the general idea is that we're interested in some kind of algorithm that can do two things: uh, generate fake news and uh, discriminate between fake news and real news. And I'm, I'm. There's a lot of uh, actually substructure those two ideas there, so we should dig into it a little bit more. But it sounds like you were about to say something.
0: Yeah, I, ju- I just want to clarify. The purpose of creating fake news is not to mislead as most fake news is created to do. It's to, I guess, to interact with the model. So the model has something to, to compare against real news versus fake news. Is that the motivation?
1: Uh, Well, yeah. So to think, to unpack a little bit what we mean by fake news and real news and all this kind of stuff. So. Number one, there's kind of two different types of news that are relevant in this treatment here. So one is fake news in the sense that it is generated by a computer and it might not have any corresponding anything in real life, but it sounds like kind of a regular news story if you want to think about it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And second is there's the notion of computer generated what they call propaganda. So that's like the fake news that's really damaging and offensive
0: Right, so there's just false stuff, and then there's stuff that's maybe more acerbic.
1: Right, so when they were thinking about training this algorithm, they had two different types of data that they trained it on. One was ordinary, what I would call like mainstream media written news uh, articles coming from like NBC and CNN and the New York Times and these sorts of outlets. And then there's also news that they, or a version of the algorithm, some training of the algorithm that they did on fake news that came from like Breitbart and Infowars and some of these places that are a little bit more famous for having let's say, adhering to less rigorous journalistic standards. Mm. Um, and the idea is that these are two different types of uh, generation and discrimination that the algorithm might want to do. And so those are those are kind of the two, the two different types of fake news. But then there's also, of course, the corresponding version of each of those genres of journalism, but actually written by humans, right?
0: Okay, so I'm imagining one of those like two by two uh, grids where um, you've got the two kinds of news in the column and maybe you have who generated it in the uh, the rows.
1: Yeah, like is it mainstream news or propaganda style news Uh, is one axis? And then was it generated by a computer, or was it generated by, written by a human? Right. Yep. So those are sort of the parameters. And so then what they do is uh, go acquire a pretty big data set. It sounds like they had to go scrape it themselves uh, from a a number of different news sources, put this data set together uh, that was going to be their training data set, and plug it into, as far as I can tell, the the actual structure of the algorithm itself is really similar to GPT-2, which we talked about uh, a little while ago. That was that language algorithm that yeah, was. Yeah, that almost created magical by... one. Yeah, that was very, had very interesting kind of generative, very, very interesting generative passages that it would create. That was the one that we called like the. I'm using air quotes here, the model that was too dangerous to release because of how high quality of the the fake stuff was that it could make.
0: Yeah, imagine the Harry Potter fan fiction that it could produce.
1: Uh, Right, right. And
0: how quickly.
1: (laughs) Right, so it's the general idea of we have sort of a two-part algorithm, one of which is a generator and that makes passages, and then there's a discriminator that tries to tell the computer-generated stuff from the real stuff.
0: Oh right, and these things can kind of play off of each other and both learn and grow together.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's the same general structure. It's the same idea. They had a few different versions of the model that had different were different sizes, like how many free parameters that they have of each one of the models, which is sort of like how in how much detail are they training it in a sense? And uh, so then they go in and create this uh, Grover model um, and talk a little bit about some of its attributes, which I think are kind of interesting.
0: So what are some of those attributes?
1: So the first is that exactly what kind of news, exactly how they generate the news uh, has a an impact on how good the generation task is. So they actually broke the problem apart into a few different pieces and then had different, um, versions of the model that they trained. But when I say break it apart into different pieces, there's several different parts of a news story that you can imagine. So there's the main body of the news story, but there's also accompanying metadata. One is the domain. Like what is this article generally about? Buzz what is speed.
0: the Dot com, topic? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to. I, I thought you were going to go slower. So,
1: oh yeah, no, 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 that's right. Um, so what, what domain is this? is this um new story coming from what is the date on which it's published who are the authors of this piece what is the headline of the piece and then the actual textual body of the piece itself and so in some cases they would pre kind of pre-generate or like seed the the starting conditions of the algorithm with say the domain date and authors and then have it generate a, title, a a headline. Then take those four attributes: domain, date, authors, headline. Use that to generate the body. Sometimes they would use different combinations of what they were starting with and what it had to fill in. Um, but in general, when they started with more contextual metadata type stuff at the beginning, then they would come up with um, textual bodies that sounded more they sounded more believable to like humans who were evaluating these things. Second, I thought this was I thought this was pretty interesting. So. Grover does not make particularly plausible sounding real news, quote unquote. So if that you, does sound
0: like the Sesame Street character,
1: <laughs> so if you were if you were reading a real news article versus one that was generated by Grover, in aggregate, humans are relatively successful at telling the difference between the two. But when it comes to propaganda, like the you know, more sensationalistic fake news. Grover actually generates better propaganda than humans do, which I think is really funny and interesting.
0: Wait, what?
1: Yeah, so there's this, um, there was a, a step that was a manual evaluation step. So they had three annotators, presumably, you know, just people, um, and then on the metrics of style, content, and sort of overall trustworthiness, they asked, each one of those people, like, what do you think of this article? Um, and so they ranked the human written real news, the highest. Um, and then they said the machine news was generally, they said was lower quality than the, than the human news. Mm -hmm. Um, but they ranked the propaganda that was generated by the machine as more having better style and having better content than the propaganda that was generated by humans. In other words, they think the propaganda that comes out of Grover is more realistic and believable than the propaganda that comes out of humans, which is interesting. That
0: is both fascinating and also a little terrifying to think that this is such a good problem for AI to excel at.
1: Indeed, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think that... One of the other points that they make though, and I think that this is the most interesting topic of discussion, maybe of the, of the paper is you might recall when GPT-2 was released, you know, the, the title of the podcast episode we did about it, right. Was this is the model that was too dangerous to release. Um, and what we meant by that was open AI, the group that had created the model in the first place. Declined to actually make the model available to researchers in its raw form because they were worried that people would get their hands on it and use it to generate propaganda, fake news, and that that seemed pretty dangerous.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So that was sort of one of the other topics of this Grover paper is Grover has a lot of overlap with GPT-2. In particular, they're looking at this class of problem that was one of the primary use cases that the GPT-2 folks were worried about. And to make a long story short, basically, the Grover algorithm, because it has this discriminator part of it, they find that Grover is actually the best detector at (laughs) Grover-generated content. So on the one hand, if you release the model, you release the generator that can create more content, but you also release it's like the you know the disease and its own medicine or something uh, that Grover is the best algorithm that they were able to find for actually detecting Grover generated content. So it's a little bit of a conundrum. If you have one of these algorithms, do you release it and thereby enable people to use the model itself to detect the presence of fake news, or do you try to keep it under wraps and? then presumably nobody can generate fake news but they also have a are missing a, ra- a rather powerful tool that they could be using to detect the presence of fake news from other folks
0: so i guess the the question i have is why not use the generator to create the detector and then just release the detector i i know that like the detector kind of has pieces in it that the generator, I, I guess there are like structure, probably some sort of structural similarities in terms of the way that one of them creates and the other uh, discriminates. But I guess I don't see why you, why one couldn't release just the um, detector and not the generator.
1: I'm not sure that you can really disentangle them from each other. Um, huh. And I wouldn't be surprised also if having one of them gives you, gets you 80 or 90% of the way there to having the other one. I'm not exactly sure Uh, on a technical level though.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, But you're right. You know, sort of what we want in an ideal world would be the medicine without the disease in the first place.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, the, you think about actually medicine and disease is a really great example because, um, you don't really need the medicine if the disease doesn't spread, but by the time the disease starts to spread, the medicine kind of follows. Uh, and actually, there's a oh, um, I might botch it, but there's a great Mark Twain Mark uh, Mark Twain quote that is something like um, a lie travels halfway around the world while the truth is uh, is tying its shoelaces or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I've heard that before, and I think. I mean, one of the other things that I I believe is true, but it was a little bit more imply, implicit than explicit in the paper, is that Grover seems to be pretty good at detecting Grover fake news. But it's not clear oh. that it's better than any other particular technique at other kinds of fake news. So it might right. be a little bit more that Grover... I hate to anthropomorphize, you know that, but it, it knows its own pathologies (laughs) a little bit more so than if it were, if it were racing against some other type of algorithm that's generating fake news, I'm not sure if it would do that well. So, um, it's also not the, the generalization here is a real question that is certainly a very interesting algorithm, a very interesting technique, but in order to understand like what the real world impact would be, understanding that generalization piece, uh, seems like an important part of it.
0: You know, you said, I hate to anthropomorphize, but the entire time we've recorded this episode, I've had that um, blue furry uh, Grover image in my mind. And everything you say... He's on
1: the uh, the first page of the paper is a little... I just... It's really hard to talk
0: about. But actually, uh, just a minute ago, I realized maybe why they decided to name it Grover. Mm. I think Grover has a number of skits where... He teaches, uh, like, school lessons, and he gets all of the details wrong, and that opens him up for um, correction, like other Muppets will correct him or um, or uh, kids will correct him. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of a funny name for a model that just spouts stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I was just scanning through the text of the paper to see if it was like an acronym or something. It doesn't seem like it is. I think they just wanted to name it after a Muppet. So you could be right. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Oh, wait. No, I take this back. I take it back. I found it. It's in a footnote. Grover is short for generating... No, it's it's cool. Generating (sighs) articles. That's the R in articles. What? No, that's an A. It has an R R in it. Generating articles... By only, O, viewing, V, metadata, that's the E, is the second letter, in metadata, and then records. Because I mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, they're generating articles using this uh, domain, author, date, headline. And so that's, I think that's really pushing, really pushing, but that's where it comes from.
0: I think they generated a very uh, bad justification for ending up with the name Graver. They should have just said that they wanted to name it after a Muppet, because that's totally valid, I think.
1: Anyway, so we want to make sure that we get that one right, though. I'm glad we yes. caught that before this one now we know. went into production. So now awesome. I think we Thanks can responsibly sign that. off. <laughs>
0: yes, okay. Until next time. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.